Let's now open God's uh, word. If, if you don't have notes, everybody has notes? Okay, good. If you don't, just let us know. Um, so now let us just open God's word and try to study it for a little bit. So can anybody help me to remind me what have we been talking about for the last um, five weeks? Shadows of Golgotha. What is that supposed to mean? What, what we're trying to accomplish here? The cross. Amen. We're trying... Absolutely. We're looking at pictures of the cross in the Old Testament. And again, the goal is to show that it is God's purpose. It's his intention from all eternity to all eternity for Jesus to be crucified. Amen. This is not, a, again, a plan B or a second thought um, when it came to the cross. This is what God has intended from all eternity to all eternity. Amen. Uh, Today is our sixth week. Week number one was just an introduction. Week number two, we start looking at these pictures um, in the book of Genesis. We started from Genesis 3.15, right? The seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. Then Genesis 3.21, that God uh, slaughtered an innocent animal and made coats of skin to cover uh, the sinfulness of Adam and Eve, a picture of Christ. Then we um, we talked about Noah, right? And we talked about how the ark is a picture of the cross of Christ where the wrath of God fell in the ark and the same cross that had the, the, the wrath of God fall on it provided salvation and life for those who are under it or protected in it, right? And last week was week number five and we spoke from Genesis 22, if you guys remember, when um, Abraham said, Jehovah, Yerah, the Lord will provide for himself a lamb for a sacrifice. And we said that this is very prophetic about the cross, that God has provided an atonement for mankind ultimately on Mount Golgotha later on thousands and thousands of years ago. Amen? Amen. We're done with the book of Genesis. If there's any other pictures in the book of Genesis that we missed, we might go back to it. But again, I want to remind us, we're only looking at the cross. We're not looking at different pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. We're just very narrow in our study, trying to see only pictures of the cross. Amen? Amen. So we arrive to Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 12, second book in the Bible. And we're going to stop here at Genesis 12, 1 to 11, and we're going to stay here for a few weeks, okay? And this is a story in the Old Testament. Let me give you the background if you're not very familiar with what was going on, and then we'll read these 11 verses, okay? So God promised Abraham that he, in his seed, he will bless the whole uh, earth, Abraham did not have a son. 25 years later, God provided Isaac, who had Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons, who ultimately became the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. Amen? And that's the nation of Israel that we know. Israel went to Egypt um, and were slaves in that land for 400 and 400, 430 years. And then God sent Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Amen? Amen. So the children of Israel were slaves for about 400 years in the land of Egypt. And then they kept on crying to God to send somebody to, to deliver them. And God sent Moses and Moses went to Pharaoh and he said, let the people of Egypt go. But Pharaoh hardened his heart. 
So God had to strike Egypt 10 times. And every time God strikes Egypt once, Pharaoh says, okay, you can go this one. And then God lifts up the plague. Then Pharaoh hardens his heart again. And then he will not let the people go. Amen. And that happened 10 times till we came to this, la this passage that we're going to read right now. This is the 10th time now. This is the final time that God is about to strike Egypt. Okay. And what happened is God told Moses, I'm going to go through the land of Egypt and I'm going to kill the firstborn of man and beast. It doesn't matter if this is an animal or a human being. I'm going to go through the land, kill the firstborn. However, if you want to be saved from that death that is coming through the whole land, here is what you need to do. Amen. He said you need to bring a lamb. You need to kill that lamb. And you need to put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and the door lentil. And if you do that, when I pass through the land, the blood will be the mark for you. If I see the blood, I'll pass over you. If I don't see the blood, I will pass through you. You get that, okay? If I see the blood, I will pass over you. And if I don't see the blood, I will pass through you. So this is the passage. Let's read it together. And we're going to stay here for, for a few weeks because it's an amazing picture of the cross of Christ. Exodus 12, 1-11. I'm reading from uh, New King James. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of month. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father. Um, according to the house of his father. A lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it accordingly to the number of that persons. According to each man's need, you shall make uh, your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. When, then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, do, nor boil it at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head and its legs and its entails. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Um, and what remains of it until the morning, you shall burn it with fire, and thus you shall eat it with your with the, a belt on your waist, with sandals on your feet, and with staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord Passover. Amen. Amen. It is what the Lord's. Lord's, not yours Passover. It is the Lord's Passover. Amen. So you guys now are familiar with the story and the details that took place, and that is a vivid picture of the cross what Jesus came to do thousands of years later that Passover is a picture of that you tell me well how do we know that how do we know that the Passover is a picture of um, of, of Christ well actually the first person who told us in a way that this Passover is a picture of Christ crucified was Christ himself he told us that how okay ready here is what it says 
in uh, when Jesus was about to crucified, right before the crucifixion, Jesus told his disciples, I want to eat the Passover meal with you. Amen. Jesus ministered three years um, during his ministry life. That means he went through three Passovers, right? Because it's once a year that the children of Israel on the 10th of the first month, they will celebrate the Passover, right? So Jesus in his ministry life from 30 to 33 went through three Passovers and he literally was crucified. Like they celebrated the Passover that night and the very next morning or the very next day he was crucified, right? If you remember that from the Gospels. Jesus told us plainly, he told his disciples, I have so much desire so I can go and eat the Passover with you. So they say, what do you want us to do? He said, go find, go to that city. You're going to find the guy, follow him and whatever he ends, tell the master of the house, I, the master, Jesus, want to have Passover that night in your house. And they did. And they ended up having that Passover feast that we just read about in, in Exodus, okay, um, with Jesus. And while everybody is sitting down eating the Passover meal, right, Jesus took the bread and he said what? This is my body. He established the Lord's Supper that we celebrate on Sunday mornings while they were sharing the Passover meal. You guys follow me? Right. And Jesus took the bread and he said, this is my body. And he took the wine and he said, this is my blood. So in an essence, Jesus was saying in a way that elements in the Passover meal that we're sharing together right now, it actually talks about me. You guys follow that? So Jesus was the first one who told us in a way that this Passover meal, the whole celebration, the whole ritual that is associated with the Passover is actually a reference to him. Not only that. Peter told us the same thing. Where? 1 Peter 1.19. We talked about this verse before. He said that we have been redeemed with precious blood of Christ. That is a lamb without blemish or without spot. Almost that phrase, a lamb without blemish or without spot, is verbatim from Exodus 12.5. We just read it, right? If you go back to verse 5, God said, your lamb shall be without blemish so Peter took that phrase almost verbatim and he applied it to Christ and he said we have been redeemed with that blood amen and just in case you're not into metaphors and possibilities Paul told us flat out that this Passover is a reference to Christ where first Corinthians 5 7 it says cleanse out the old leaven that you may um, that you that you may be a new lump as you um, really are unleavened. For Christ, our what? Passover lamb has been sacrificed, has been crucified, has been slain. Do you see that? So the Bible tells us plain and clear, no question about it, that this Passover lamb is a sacrifice for Christ. Amen? So this is our introduction. We know for sure this picture in Exodus 12 is... Um, is a reference to Christ. And this is what we're going to be studying for the next few weeks. How is it that this lamb, a Passover lamb in Exodus 12 is a reference to Christ, is a picture of Christ, and different types in that sacrifice in, in, in Exodus 12, and how is that representing Christ? Amen? I'll pause for a second. Uh, I just want to tell you that in the next few weeks, we're going to be relying heavily on um, this guy. His name is Bruce Waltke. He's a professor of Old Testament. Um, and he wrote an amazing six articles um, about that, just analyzing that passage. 
I found only three uh, this week. I looked everywhere. I Googled it. I looked on all the resources I can find, went to the library. The Virginia Theological Seminary is not there. It's just never could find the whole six articles. Anyways, they published it in the Emmaus Bible College Journal. So I called Emmaus Bible College, and I was like, do you guys have this by any chance? And they ended up emailing it to me. So I have it, even though the last three articles are not published I have the whole thing. So I'm very excited about that, right? So we're going to be relying on him. Most of the ideas stuff, I'm going to be taking from him, giving him credit. And um, some stuff will be mine, but 60% will be his. Just let you know. Amen? Amen. Um, and just generally speaking, in the notes, I always try to say where I get stuff from. So some, some sermons I preach pretty much, I rely heavily on somebody. If they did a good job, I don't see the point of reinventing the wheel and study it again, okay? So if I don't give people credit, it's in the notes. You can um, check it out yourself. So anyways, now let's go back and talk about that, the Passover lamb, and how is that a picture of Christ? We gotta, there's three major parts that we can divide this 11 verses to, right? The first, verse one and two, this is kind of an introduction, right? Or uh, kind of God is introducing the matter, and he's saying this Passover ritual, this Passover deal should be a beginning of the year for you. Amen? Amen? So God is saying to Moses this, I want you to cancel your calendar, okay? Like we follow the, the calendar, right? God has come to Moses and say, from now on, I don't want you to use this calendar that you're using, okay? I want you to scratch it off, and I want you to start a brand new calendar, and this calendar starts with the Passover over okay so this month where you celebrate the bath over the passover this will be the first month of the year and you start counting from that point forward so this is what god was saying in verse one and two right start a brand new calendar for me that will only be applicable to you as a, as my nation and that calendar starts with the passover event you see that verse one and two let's read it now the lord spoke to moses and aaron in the land of egypt saying this month now you're going to start now. Shall be your beginning of month. Well, Lord, what happened to the calendar we already have that we follow the Egyptians? Like, forget that. I don't need it no more. Amen? It shall be the first month of the year to you. Not for everybody. This is just you calendar for you. Amen? Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. So on the tenth day of the first month of the Jewish calendar, the brand new calendar that was just established here, they're supposed to celebrate that Passover. Amen? So in verse 1 and 2, we see that the Passover marks a new beginning, right? And then in verses 3 to 7, we see the sacrifice of the lamb. What is this lamb? How it looks like? How you kill it? And all this stuff, right? That's verses 3 to 7, right? And then verses 8 to 11, we see the supper of that lamb. How do you eat that lamb? How do you, um, you know, how do you do that meal together? What is the, you know, the details that is associated with that? Amen? In verses 3 to 7, when, when uh, God was telling um, Moses and the children of Israel how to sacrifice a lamb, in a way, God was giving us a picture about the salvation of the New Testament believer and how a New Testament believer can be saved. Amen? And when God talked about how you can eat and dine on that lamb, God was giving us a picture of how the New Testament believer can be sanctified, how he can or she can follow, have a fellowship with Christ himself. You guys follow me? Okay, so we're going to discuss that in details in the next few weeks. But today, we're only going to stop at verse 1 and verse 2. Amen? 
And that is pretty much to tell us that um, the Passover lamb marks a new beginning for the children of Israel. Amen? A new, brand new calendar. Let's read this verse 1 and 2 again, and then we'll highlight three points in that. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of month. Brand new calendar. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Amen? Amen. So that month was a brand new beginning for the children of Israel. And when you look into it in details, I, like I thought about three different beginnings, three different changes that will happen that is associated with that Passover lamb. Amen? Again, some of it from that article. But in that beginning, it was a transformation or a new beginning from bondage to freedom. Amen? Amen. It was also a new beginning or a transformation from death to life. And lastly, it was a transformation or a new beginning from old to new. Let's say them together and then we'll discuss what that means. Number one, it was a new beginning from bondage to freedom. Number two, a new beginning from death to life. And number three, it was a new beginning from old to new. Amen. Let's start with number one. It's a new beginning from bondage to freedom. Remember, the children of Israel were in the land of Egypt for 400 plus years. And here is an example of how they lived. Exodus 1, very first chapter in that book, 11 to 14. Look at what the scripture says. Therefore, they, the Egyptians, set taskmasters over them to do what? To afflict them with their burdens. And they built the Jewish people, the Israelites, built for Pharaoh supply cities. Python and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. The more they were afflicted, the, the Israelites in the land of Egypt, they grew more and more. The Egyptians in the context here were afraid that if they get into a war, then the Israelites would join their enemies. So we're trying to afflict them more and more and more and make their life miserable. So they just have no chance that they ever going to join their enemies in a war. But the more they afflicted them, the more they grew. And then we read in verse, um, uh, and they, there is verse 12, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians were afraid from Israel. That's why they kept on oppressing them. Verse 13. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives, what? Better with bondage. I'm not sure like how much emphasis the Bible want to, Say to give us the point, right? They made them serve with rigor and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of the service in the field. Or their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. They afflicted them, they put them in bondage for 400 years and they made them suffer and suffer and suffer. This is just a house of bondage. Do you guys see that? That is the life of the children of Israel right before the Passover. And that's why they kept on crying out to God because they needed a deliverer. Amen. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, 13 times in the Old Testament, God calls Egypt the house of bondage because they were in bondage, in affliction in Egypt. Amen. So many times guys say, I am the Lord, your redeemer, who redeemed you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then in Deuteronomy 30, 26, 6 to 7. Here is this. 
But the Egyptian, this is like Moses going back and reciting the story, trying to remember the details, okay? So he's saying, and the, but the Egyptian mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord God our Father, and the Lord heard our voice and looked on our what? Affliction and our what? Labor and our what? Oppression. The land of Egypt was a land of oppression and bondage for the children of Israel. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the children of Israel enjoyed living this way? No. no. Do you think they could have done anything about it? No. no. Why? Because they're in bondage, right? But look at this. The Passover lamb was slaughtered that one very night. And the very next day, even that night, Pharaoh called Moses and he said, it's over. Go out. Amen. And he said, go out in haste. I don't want you to stay. They could, do you see how God told them to eat it? Eat it with your belt on, stuff in your hand. You're good to go. Amen. Because once that Passover lamb was slaughtered, once that Passover lamb was killed, all the bondage was broken in the same time. Amen. And the children of Israel will sit into the freedom once and for all that very day. Amen. So the Passover marked something very unique to the children of Israel. They transferred from the bondage to the freedom because of the Passover was the turning point in their lives. Amen? Amen? Now I want you to think about something. In the New Testament, remember again, Jesus ate the Passover with his disciples, right? That very night after he ate the Passover, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, right, to pray. And that's when they came and caught him. And they questioned him all night long and crucified him the very next day. You guys follow that? Now think about this. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel ate the Passover and the very next day they were free, right? And in the New Testament, Jesus ate the Passover and the very next day he was crucified, right? What is the Bible trying to tell us? The Bible is simply trying to tell us that this freedom from the bondage of sin can never be accomplished except through what Jesus has done on the cross. Amen? Just like the children of Israel could not be set free even though they wanted to. And the only thing that set them free was the blood of an innocent sacrifice shed for on their behalf and covered them once and for all. So is the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if somebody is here today, <clears throat> if somebody is here today and you are in bondage of sin. Amen. All what you have to do is just come to the blood of Jesus. There is no freedom. There is no salvation. There is no deliverance apart from the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter if the children of Israel tried or not, right? The one thing that set them free was the blood of the Passover, right? <clears throat> and it's the same principle in the New Testament. Jesus died on the cross. And because of his death, we can have freedom from the bondage and the yoke of sin. Amen? Amen. Look at this, Isaiah 61.1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is a prophecy about Christ. <clears throat> because the Lord has anointed me to do what? To preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. And to what else? And to proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the presence to those who are bound. So if you are bound today, if you're in prison today, if you tried before and you could not set yourself free, the deliverer is in the house. Amen. And his name is? 
Jesus. Amen. And just like the blood of the Lamb set the people free that very day, the blood of Jesus today can break the yoke of every sin and set you free. Amen. Amen. That Passover marked a transformation for the children of Israel from bondage to freedom. But not only that, but also from death to life. Let's read that verse. In Exodus 12, 12 to 13. Here is what God said. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. Amen. Listen to me. And I will strike all the firstborn of the Egyptians, right? Nope. Yeah. Did God say, I will strike all the firstborn of the Egyptians? In the land of Egypt, right? What is the difference? It's a big difference. When God, if God would have said, I will strike the firstborn of the Egyptians, that means the judgment will only have been fallen on the Egyptians, right? But God didn't say that. He said that I will pass through the land and I'm going to kill the firstborn of every firstborn in the land of Egypt. It doesn't matter if, it, if it's an Egyptian or a Jewish. It doesn't matter if it's an animal or a beast, right? You see that? Every single person in the land of Egypt was under the sentence of death that night. You guys see that? Every person, it doesn't matter if it was Moses himself or it was Pharaoh. It doesn't matter if that person was rich or poor. Every single firstborn in the land was under the sentence of death that night. Amen? But it was only because of the blood of the lamb that covered the doorpost that this firstborn could have ever been saved. Amen? Amen. You guys see that? When the children of Israel celebrate the Passover, they celebrate a transformation from death to life. They celebrate that it's because of a blood of an innocent sacrifice that was shed on our behalf that now we can have life. Amen? The Passover marked a new beginning, not just from bondage to freedom, but also from death to life. And in the same manner, look at me, in the same manner, when Jesus died on the cross, he made us to pass to pass from death and the penalty of the judgment of God to the very life that God can give us. Amen? Amen. It's only because of what Jesus has done on the cross that we can ever escape the wrath of God. Amen? The judgment of God passed over. That's why Jesus is called the Lamb of the Passover. Something is passing over something. Amen? And the judgment of God passed over each one of us because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Amen? Amen. Here is some scripture to show it. John 3.18 He who believes in him, in who? In Jesus, in the Son, right? Is not condemned. Why? Because the judgment has passed. Amen? But the one who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only one Son of God. Amen? It's because of Jesus that the judgment of God can pass. Do you see that? If you believe in him, the judgment will pass. If you don't, the judgment will set on you. Amen? 
John 5:24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has an everlasting life. And what's going to happen to him shall not come into judgment, but has done what? Passed from death to life. Just like the children of Israel when they pass from death to life because of the blood of an innocent sacrifice, so is the blood of Jesus will make every single sinner in this world pass from death to life. Amen? First John 3.14 we know that we have done what? Passed out of death into life. We cheated death. We skipped death. And now we have life. Why? Because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love the, the abides in death. Now, what John is telling us here is this. Loving the brothers is not the requirement for you to pass from death to life, right? What John is saying is this. It's because of the blood of Jesus. It's because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross that we have passed from death to life, right? But this inward change that the blood of Jesus can do to us gonna manifest itself outwardly in loving the brothers, right? So if you don't show the outward manifestation, the evidence of the inner change, that the blood of Jesus can do then you really haven't passed from death to life right but if the blood of Jesus has covered your heart before the wrath of a holy and a righteous God you have already passed from death to life amen, amen. the lamb of the Passover marked a new beginning from the children of Israel from bondage to freedom from death to life amen, amen. but not only that it also marked a new beginning from old to new. And that's why, that's why God said you do me a brand new calendar. I want you to start fresh. This is brand new right now. Amen. All your old calendar, your old life, your old history, it's all passed away. And now everything will become brand new. Amen. And it's all because of the blood of the Passover lamb. Amen. And in, in Exodus 13 to 4, we know that the name of the first month was the month of Abib, which literally means young sprouts of grain. That's the, the literal meaning of the month. And it was the time of that year when the young um, green plants were first push, uh, pushing their sprouts out of the ground. Everything was new. Even the nature itself at that time were doing brand new things. Amen? Amen. And because of that Passover sacrifice, that Passover dinner that the children of Israel had, everything for them was brand new. Even their own calendar, they started fresh. Now it's day one. Amen? And it's the same thing that Jesus will do to every single sinner. Amen. When the blood of Jesus is applied to your life, you're not going to only be transformed from, from bondage to freedom, from death to life, but you're also going to become a brand new creation, just like the children of Israel when he started brand new. Amen. Look at this. Just a couple of verses in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, <clears throat> if anyone is in Christ. He's what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Does that remind you of the Passover lamb? Yes. Amen. Everything is brand new when you come to Jesus. Ephesians 4.24 He's, he's commending the believers and he's saying, and put on what kind of self? The new self. Does that mean that they had an old self? You better believe it. But they have been transferred from the old self to the new self because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. You put on the new self. How does this new 
yourself look like? It's created, right? That's exactly what he said in 2 Corinthians. It's a new creation. After the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen? Galatians, Galatians 6.15 For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. That, that's good works. Following the law. He said it doesn't matter if you're trying to do good works or it doesn't do, you don't do good works. None of this matters. What matters when it comes to God is this. But what? What kind of creation? The new creation. Amen? Amen. Romans 6, 4. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, we too might walk in what kind of life? The newness of life. What Paul was saying is this. When you receive Jesus into your heart and apply the blood of Christ to your sinful heart, you will be changed. You will become brand new creation. And then when you go to be baptized to show the world the inside, the inner commitment that you have have made and you are immersed in this water and you're being raised again just like Christ you are being raised again to the newness a brand new life amen, amen. where do you get this life from you get it from the blood of Jesus that will be applied to your heart you're not going to get it from the baptism the baptism is just the outward showing of that new life just like the love of the brothers show that you have come to know Jesus amen, amen. The Passover lamb. Now my throat is clearing when I'm almost done. Uh, the Passover lamb marked a new beginning to the children of Israel from bondage to freedom, from death to life, from new to old. From, uh, uh, yeah, from old to new, you're right. <laughs> from old to new. Now let me ask you a question. Did the Passover lamb, like, did God give the children of Israel an option? And he said, hey, I have a Passover lamb for you. And it can do one of three things. It can transform you from bondage to freedom, from death to life, and from old to new. And then God said, yeah, you know, if you want to pick up one advantage of that lamb, you can do that. Did God do that? Why? It doesn't work this way, right? You either take the whole lamb for what it can do, or you don't take nothing of what the lamb can do. Amen? 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 In the same manner, you can never escape from death to life, from bondage to freedom, if you have never been changed. Amen? Amen. If Jesus doesn't change your heart from the inside, then you really don't know that Passover Lamb of Christ. Amen? Amen? I don't care how much you claim that you're a Christian. I don't care how much you go to church. I don't care how much you preach, even like myself. Unless the blood of Jesus is applied to your heart, then you will never escape the wrath of God. Amen? And that very blood that will transfer you from the death to life will also change your outward life in front of people. Amen. If, you, if you say I received Christ and you're still cursing, you're still lying, you're still cheating, you're still doing the exact same thing. Sin is still your nature as much as it was before you said that you have received Christ. Guess what? You have not received Christ. Amen? Amen? If you continue in the very nature of sin, then you don't know the Passover lamb who will take you out of death into life. It's a one-package deal, friends. You take it all or you don't take anything at all. Amen? Amen. That Passover lamb marking you beginning for the children of Israel. Amen? Amen? I have good news for you. That Passover lamb was a picture of Christ. Amen? Amen? 
Now the Passover lamb in Exodus 12 is dead and it's just a sheep that died and was eaten and banished, right? Not so Jesus, amen? The divine son of the living God rose from the dead on the third day and Jesus is still alive and well and today Jesus can transform your life from very bondage to very freedom, from the very judgment of God to the very life of God and from an old sinful self to a brand new creation in him, amen? The question is, do you want it or not? He wanted to offer it to you. Amen? Let's all close our eyes and pray.